The news headline, you can see it on the screen there, stated 12 boys, a football coach and 10 kilometres of caves. What could go wrong? Monsoon rain, that's what. You remember the scenes on our televisions? These young men were trapped in a flooded cave in Thailand, powerless against the floodwaters, hopeless and lost unable to save themselves. We saw the breaking news and then the local rescue effort that became a national rescue effort that became an international rescue effort. The world received regular updates as the search continued. Then miraculously, a week into that search, they were discovered, alive, exhausted, half-starved, four kilometres deep into this cave system, but alive. Who remembers this fellow? You don't recognise him? His name is Dr Richard Harris, or Harry, to his mates. He's from South Australia. He was one of only two men in the whole world who had the unique set of skills, training and experience not, not just medically, but in, in decades of cave diving, to be able to save them. Under his direction, a huge team of rescuers prepared and executed a phenomenal rescue. All 13 were brought out safely from their peril. They got their lives back, literally. The local community, the nation, indeed many people right around the world celebrated with them. This truly was great news. As one cartoon put it, hope is real. Consider another rescue story. This time, countless people lost and without hope, unable to save themselves. This time, only one man in all the world is uniquely qualified to rescue them. And this time, he did it by paying the ultimate sacrifice, his life for theirs. And his sacrifice enabled them to live not just again in this life, but for eternity. This man, this rescue is, of course, our Lord and Saviour, our rescuer, Jesus Christ, along with millions of people down through the centuries and literally all around the world, I know that many of you have put your trust in him and you found the hope that he speaks of is real. And because of that, you want to share that good news with those around you. Momentous news. And we're going to explore that good news today. So let's pray as we look at God's word together. Will you pray with me? God, our Father, please open our hearts and minds to hear and understand your good news and help us not just to experience it for ourselves, but to share it with others for your glory and the growth of your kingdom. Amen. Well, this is now our third week in our mission series, answering the question, what are we about as God's people? So over the last two weeks, we've looked at, come on, tell me, what was the first week? 
loving Jesus. And last week was growing together, uh, which was wonderful and helpful and enriching in many ways. And today we're looking at sharing the good news. Uh, the reading we just heard was written by a bloke called Paul. That's really interesting to note that at one point in his life, he used to spend his time trying to kill Christians and destroy the church. But by the time he wrote this, he is a changed man. He's doing everything he can to start churches and encourage Christians all over the place. His whole way of thinking about God radically changed. His approach to every aspect of life had been transformed. He was, to use his own words, a new creation in Christ. Well, how did it happen? Well, he was heading to a place called Damascus, ready to just kind of obliterate the Christians in that town as well. And um, on his way, he had this kind of unplanned, unexpected encounter with Jesus, the real Jesus who died on the cross and rose again and he met him. Here's how he tells it in Acts chapter 22. About noon as I came near Damascus, this is Paul's very own words, near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. You'll be God's witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And from that time on, he spent every moment, every breath, every ounce of energy Sharing the good news. The good news about Jesus. With people everywhere. And encouraging others like us to share the good news too. So let's have a look at our Bibles. If I encourage you to have that passage open. Because uh, we want to look at uh, and understand three things. Firstly, what is that good news? Secondly, why should we share it? Thirdly, a little bit about how we can share it. As well. So, firstly, what is the good news? Look at verse 19. It'll be on the screen as well. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. And jump down to verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That, that really is, can I say, that really is the, the main message of the whole Bible <laughs> in two verses. It's a great summary. Now imagine, imagine if, if this hand is me and I want to have a relationship with God. God can be that light, really bright light in my eyes there. I want to have a relationship with God. Well, suppose this book, uh, I just found the biggest book I could find on the bookshelf. Imagine this is a record of every sin I've ever done. It is an autobiography. It's actually about Billy Graham, not me. But um, <laughs> that's why it's so big. He lived to 99 three quarters. Um, but imagine it had a record of every single thing I'd ever done to sin against God. And, you know, I could pass it around. You could read it and go, oh, did, really? Oh, I'm not talking to him again. <laughs> but the Bible says that my sin is what separates me from God. 
I cannot have a relationship with a holy God and be a person full of sin. I'm completely blocked off from him. Suppose, on the other hand, that, that this is Jesus, perfect, sinless, unbroken relationship with God the Father. What does that verse say? Look at verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that, what does it say? So that we might become the righteousness of God. On the cross, Jesus paid the penalty for everything I have done to sin against God. So that as I put my trust in him, God gives me, clothes me if you like, with the righteousness, the perfection of Jesus. Fully forgiven. Clean in his sight. And brought into relationship with the God who made me. Friend, that is the good news. And it's wonderful. It's wonderful. We don't deserve God's kindness. None of us by our character or, or, or our deeds of, of goodness deserve Jesus to die on the cross in our place. That's why Paul urges in the start of chapter 6, as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace, his undeserved kindness in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. And friends, can I just say before moving on, if there is anyone here this morning who does not know the wonderful forgiveness Jesus offers and the freedom from guilt and the peace with God, and the security for eternity that God gives us. Allow me to echo Paul's words. Now is the time of God's favour to you. Now is the day of salvation. Do not put it off. Do not rest another day. None of us have a guarantee that we'll have another opportunity to hear and respond to Jesus. So if you know you need God's forgiveness, don't leave here without it. Nothing could be more important. Speak to me afterwards. Talk to John. But uh, don't miss out on what God offers to us in Christ. For many of you, though, you do know the wonderful hope and forgiveness that Jesus offers, that freedom from guilt, that peace with God, and the security for eternity that God gives. And Paul's message to us is... Share it. It's wonderful news. Share it. And in this passage alone, he gives us plenty of good reasons to do so. Let's have a look at it. 5 verse 11, where we started. Chapter 5 verse 11. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. Fear of the Lord. It's not only the beginning of wisdom. It's also the beginning of sharing our faith. Sadly, for many Christians, fear is what stops them, not starts them sharing their faith. The trouble is not fear of God, it's fear of other people. Uh, think of this. Think of a time when you had a clear opportunity 
to witness to someone and didn't. That's all too easy for me to think of. How did you feel afterwards? What did you say to yourself? What did you say to the Lord? What was it that overpowered your desire to share the good news with someone? As is so often true for me, was it simply fear of other people? Friends, let's ask God to forgive us and to fill our hearts with such a clear picture of his majesty and power and greatness and strength for us in our time of need that other people won't be so frightening. If we glance back at verse 10, it wasn't read to us, but we see the particular fear of God that Paul had in mind at this point. Verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. He's not worried about losing his salvation or anything like that. Uh, He just wants everyone, including himself, to be ready for that final day when we stand before Jesus. So that... Together we can stand confidently knowing our sins are forgiven. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade people of the good news. Next one, verse 14. We'll move a bit quicker. Verse 14 says, Christ's love compels us. Compels us. Jesus' death on the cross is the greatest single act of love in all of human history. Let me say that again. Jesus' death on the cross is the greatest single act of love in all of human history. The most loving thing we can do for another person is to point them to Jesus Christ and help them understand that that great act of love was for them too. To pay for their sins. To reconcile them to God. Verse 15, another great reason. says there, He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. In other words, we don't just share good news. Our whole lives are an advertisement for what God has done for us in Christ. So let me ask you, if your life was the only Bible someone read, Would they read about Jesus? Friends, what evidence is there in your life that you are indeed a new creation? That's what God says we are in Christ. What evidence is there that the old has gone and the new has come? In verses 18 to 19, another reason. Paul says that God has given us the message and the ministry of reconciliation. It's our responsibility and duty as followers of Jesus who have been bought with his precious blood to share with others how they too can be saved. It's such good news. That's why in 6 verse 1, Paul reminds us not to receive God's grace in vain. Don't just bottle it up all ourselves. Be more like a pipe. A conduit of that wonderful news to others. We did nothing to deserve God's love. That's his grace to us. And yet 
He reached out to us. Let us do the same. Whether we think someone is deserving or not, let us reach out to them with the good news that can save them for eternity. And the last reason I could find is in 6 verse 2. Look at it closely. It's a little quotey thing. But who's actually speaking? God. God is speaking. Friends, the God we worship is a speaking God. He speaks to us in his word. He has spoken to us clearly in the life, death and resurrection of his son. So when we speak good news, we are being like God. In fact, it's even better than that. Look back at verse 20, chapter 5, verse 20. It is, Paul says, it is as though God were making his appeal through us. That's extraordinary. Do you sense incredible honor that that is? I mean, couldn't God do it much better himself? And yet, in his plan, he chooses to speak the message of hope and life and salvation through his people. That is extraordinary. So when we share the good news about Jesus, God speaks through us. All right, lastly, how can we share it? How can we share it? Uh, In this passage, there's a few ideas. Not exhaustive. You could look at lots of other things, but let's have a look. How do we share the good news? We've already seen in this passage that we're to live for him, not for ourselves. That was uh, chapter 5, verse 15, which means being that new creation. It means getting rid of the old and embracing our new identity as a follower of Jesus. And then Paul gives us one of the most wonderful and practical illustrations that kind of pulls all of these things together. Ambassador. That's a great word, isn't it? Ambassador. Chapter 5, verse 20. Here's a definition for us. An ambassador is an appointed diplomat, diplomat, (laughs) get it right, sent by a country or state as its permanent representative in a foreign country to communicate, you know, making statements and expressing policies and desires, sharing the culture, all those sorts of things on behalf of their own country. Now, a good ambassador doesn't merely know the laws and culture and beliefs of their own country. They embody them. That's why they live there. Their whole lives are on show. And their words carry the full weight of their own country's government or ruling power. So what about us then? We're Christ's ambassadors. He's the Son of God. The king of heaven. We are his representatives here on earth to show by our lives and make clear with our words that he is the one true saviour of all. Life and words working together to make Christ known. You see, if you have words but your life doesn't match what you're saying, you will destroy your witness and throw dirt on the blood of Jesus that saves you. If you have life but no words, you may be respected for your great morality, 
You might be liked for your Christ-like gentleness and compassion, but those around you will not be able to understand the good news that saves them. Paul says over in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the good news about Christ. Now perhaps you feel a bit uncomfortable about being called an ambassador of Christ. You're conscious of your own sinfulness and, and things like that. Remember, even just from this passage, what we've seen. God chose you. He has dealt with your sin by the death of his son. He has saved you. He has recreated you. And he speaks through you when you open your mouth. That's just in this passage. That's amazing, isn't it? Wonderful hope. He gives us strength. He gives us his spirit. Now note the heading. We're looking at this whole thing of sharing the good news. And here's the icon that you're familiar with. Now it's not merely good thoughts or good ideas or good information or good experiences or good intentions or even a good life. It's news. It's news. Now tell me, when does information become news? When we share it. Otherwise it's just data. It's just information. Just sitting there. We share all kinds of good news with people. We're all actually really good at this. I know, because I've joined Facebook. Um, and we speak to, to family or friends in person sometimes. It's really exciting. You know, we should do more of it. Um, you know, at school, work, home. Uh, and we do really well when we share good news. We're all familiar with it. We love hearing it. So as I close, I want to issue a really simple challenge. Now, all the Friday night youth are doing this as well, so you can ask them about it as well. So here's the challenge. Think of one person who does not yet know God personally. Will you pray for them and ask God to give you the opportunity to share with words, (laughs) to share the difference Jesus makes in your life? They've already seen it. But they may not understand it. Share that difference. And then will you invite them along to church? So they can hear it again and again and meet stacks of other people who've got this same joy in their hearts. Pray, share, invite. It sounds really simple, doesn't it? But I'll be honest, I need God's help. I think we all do. Pray, share, invite. Invite. God calls us to be his ambassadors. Wonderful privilege. Great responsibility. Living lives that commend the good news about Jesus and making it clear by sharing it with our words. Let's pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, the one who casts all fear from our hearts as we rightly fear you. Please help us to understand with our minds who you are and how great you are and all that you have done for us. Please mould our character and shape our attitudes to reflect who you are and what you have done for us in Christ. And Father, please help us loosen our tongues to speak 
Help us tell others who you are and what you have done for us in Christ, that they too may be saved. In Jesus' name, amen.